Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 39, which is one less than 40 episodes. Chris, how many of these are we going to do? <laughs> we're, we're doing a great job. Uh, just keep going till it gets uh, till it gets old, I guess. Yeah, it's been just fun. Just keep going till it or one of us gets too old, <laughs> or I just get tired talking with you. I love that we did this. I've said this so many times. Uh, this was a, a very good idea. Yeah, it's, it's a, always neat to check in and talk about just random stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, and there are people who like are listening to us. <laughs> That's so cool. These are conversations that we probably probably would have been having anyway, and uh, nice sort of check ins. I've I've said this several times, but like. I think I would continue doing this even if we didn't publish anything. It's still useful for me to have this record of stuff that we've talked about and see where I was in my journey of how I'd solved problems and have a, a regular check-in of we both are living very unstructured lives. And so this is like a nice little performance review of uh, I, I get to do a reflection on the my week's work. And... Every once in a while, we get a fun little tidbit, like a tweet that we just got this morning, by uh, someone I don't think either of us know, Jonas Larson, uh, who said, it sounds like you have all the pieces to create attaboy.ai, the most intelligent compliments. Uh, <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> people, people are listening to us and, and want us to make our thing. Uh, let's do it. Let's let's make the thing, right? What, what would that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, for... If, if you haven't been listening, um, Christian came up with his idea a while ago, like he wants to text a service or uh, something, say like, you know, I just lost two pounds and it would text back, you know, that's awesome. Keep up the good work. But it wanted to be more personalized. And so through my work with GPT and this latest AI stuff, uh, I can do that now. Um, it won't, <laughs> I, I posted some examples of how it won't always work the right way uh, in that thread. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean, like we have all the pieces now. You could do the Twilio stuff, and I could do the AI part, and uh, yeah. And I think you already registered the domain, if I'm not mistaken. I sure did. I don't <laughs> think .ai is a TLD that can be registered, but uh, RMO seems to be .dev domain, so I got attaboy.dev. You can uh, register it on Namecheap. Google doesn't let you though. Oh, well, let me let me get that one instead. That's a cooler domain. Attaboy.ai uh, is available seventy dollars a year. Okay. I'll do yeah, that. it's more expensive than .coms. Gross. Well, it's way cooler. Uh, I loved your example. You, you, uh, you gave it the prompt. I lost two pounds and got some traditional ones of like, "You're doing a great job. Don't stop. Great job." And I, I loved, I loved like the, the, the very last one is really I did too. And I just what a sassy response. Like I I love that. I think I think I wouldn't even work to to take that out because it's that I would just be so entertained if I was using this service to to get some positive encouragement that like telling me I did a good job yeah. and it responds with like a sassy trying to one up me like <laughs> like this AI is jealous of me that that I lost 2 pounds and it's trying to say that it it uh did just as good of a job. Yeah, I love it. Um yeah. The fun part is you can actually tune that also. You can you can tune it mm. so it's like more predictable. So it'd probably say like good job all the time or like yeah. way more random. And so it'd say like all, all, even weirder stuff than that. Yeah. That's very cool. That feels like it might be a user setting of like, maybe would you yeah. like weirder things or would you like... You want a sassy AI? <laughs> I'm going to tune my weirdness up all the way. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Let's go. Uh, that's fun. And I, between the two of us, I feel like we, we could slap this together. Like I've done a bunch of work in Twilio. Um, I, I know exactly how those things would be structured and uh, I can hook up the domain name and uh, 
hand you hand you a code base that's like I I just need you know this this function is the function that returns uh, a, a response to a text, uh, and this is where you get the text of what the person said, uh, and I guess we'll add one thing for like the parameter of what their setting is for the amount of weirdness they want, and I'll figure out where to store that and how to get that information, uh, and then you just return the prompt, uh, which I think would be the, the fun part for you. And I can slap together the, the boilerplate for that pretty easily. Uh, are you free today? Do you want to get this done? <laughs> Knock it out. Uh, yeah. I have two more days of work left. And so how about Wednesday? <laughs> okay. How about Wednesday? I'll, I'll, I'll have my part done for okay. you by Wednesday. The, awesome. And then, and then you can push and I'll set it up with, uh, with Vercel. So it's just to get push and, and it'll be deployed. Perfect. All right. This this is happening. <laughs> Thank you for the push, uh, Jonas Larson. Uh, we're we're going to get you your attaboy.ai. Uh, two more days of your job. Let's talk about yep. that. Is is it bittersweet? Are you ready for it to be done? Uh, what, what lessons have you learned? How have you grown? How have you changed <laughs> this experience? Yeah, um, it's been really neat. I, I didn't quite know what to expect, um, but it was... So it's the first time I've ever worked for any kind of game or entertainment adjacent company um except for the one time that i worked on a uh, a heavy metal radio uh, app for for iphone i'm sorry I, what <laughs> I, I did do that I, I was contracted once to help build a streaming app for a heavy metal radio station so that was kind of cool um, cool all right other than yeah but other than that this is the this is the only entertainment like adjacent company i worked at um so it was really neat uh even even apart from the ai stuff that i learned like just learning all about games and all about how game companies think and operate and work and stuff. Uh, it was really neat. Also, like every person there is like um, really good at what they do and has really interesting stories and mm -hmm. stuff. And so if you are looking for a great place to work and you want to check out Hidden Door, um, I think that they have a great team and they know what they're doing. And so, uh, yeah, it's just been really, really good. My understanding of what you were doing is that it was, it was a very encapsulated project that you were kind yeah. of handed like, this is a standalone thing. How much, how much interaction did you find that you had with other people on the team it, it's still a small company and so i was involved like the entire company still does every stand-up because it's still it's like i guess it's eight people now mm. um and um and then i could like i, I was i got attached to meetings where i wasn't directly involved just one so i had exposure to it and also because they were also using my web experience that was part of the mm. deal like i helped them like um with any questions related to web stuff because um, they have web experience too but you know they had me so they might as well ask me questions also so yeah i got i got exposure to to everybody basically it was neat cool that's something i miss doing work in this way is just like having i feel like i get a lot of it just from this podcast and chatting with you but it'd be kind of cool that you know if if i was in a team of people who were all working in the same direction who i can i can talk about the work that i did and like it's meaningful to other people too uh that the idea that you could be in this team and people want to hear an update from you and you say you know oh yes I'd, I'd push forward this thing with ai and now everyone on the team is thinking oh good he's pushing forward this thing that i was working on and like how can i integrate that with with what i was doing that that sort of community uh something i feel like i'm missing that i'd love to figure out a way to to reconstruct um maybe with this attaboy.tev that'll, that'll be like <laughs> all right chris and i are working on a, a non-podcast thing and, and pushing it forward together uh how how would you say that that was a meaningful part of your work there or am I, am I overstating the value of that? And it, it's just the grass is greener and actually it was, <laughs> it was much more, uh, uh, 
monotonous and like ah, another meeting i gotta report what i'm doing so there's absolutely a grass is greener thing on both sides <laughs> but um it was yeah so i missed that also um every time i do a consulting project like on a team i get some of that and but i what i'm pretty sure i don't want is to be a full-time employee forever for a company again <laughs> but i do like this kind of you know jumping in doing a contract for two months being part of a team like you said because that's something that you miss when you're solo um and so it is nice to be a part of that uh but it's also nice to not be a part of that and so i don't i don't know you know there's like a switch kind of you gotta switch back and forth i think yeah. but yeah how are you feeling about it in this moment do you feel like you're done could you could you go for another two months <laughs> <laughs> i i could probably go further yeah um they are my project rep uh it's it's not done because it's gonna keep going forever but it i think i got him to a good spot with what i was doing um and then i'm also for the next two days i'm basically building a new demo with everything that i learned and so mm. um that's kind of neat because i'll be able to see like a full project i'm basically gonna speed run through making a game <laughs> in the next two days so that i can compile everything that i learned into one like encapsulated thing um, oh how fun yeah so uh so that'll be neat also um but yeah i'm ready i'm ready to you know start my masters also so um, that's yeah. right oh i want to i want to uh ask you about that but first i uh can, can you talk about what that demo is going to do can you talk about what the your your uh magnum uh, opus from your I'm, time at hidden door probably uh, i haven't asked if i could share it or not uh, imagine everything i've talked about i'm doing uh, like the company is doing and imagine yes. i build building that in two days that's <laughs> like uh, uh w with some shortcuts the, the other thing so i can talk, talk about talk about this a little the shortcuts that i'm taking are basically all of the um, bits that make it coherent or uh, safe for work or um, like like there are a lot of things they're doing to make plot very interesting and characters very interesting that I'm just skipping entirely and I'm leaving mm. that all in the hands of the AI. Mm. So I tested that this morning and what happens is basically GPT is like an encapsulation of the internet. Mm. And so what happens is it gets very adult very quickly. <laughs> like... <laughs> Within three sentences, clothes come off of all the characters, and like all that, that's, right. that happens like all the time. Uh, so, er, anything I'm doing is is coming with a big old content warning, but um, all of the technical bits should be in there. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> You're not leaving them with this thing. It's like a like a uh, erotic story generator. <laughs> they have to they have to be the filter for that now of like making it more PG. How what a what a ridiculous concept <laughs> like, I, I, that's that's very funny uh cool and amazing that you can slap something like this together now that you've laid the groundwork um I'm, I'm picturing like a demo that you build that then that's the code that they're gonna copy when they're building out uh more full systems that's gonna go into the final version potentially so i already have code that's in the full system um this is more like uh lurk basically everything that i've learned about gpt content generation mm -hmm. is i have a big notion document so i'm leaving mm -hmm. that with them but this is like the applied version of that and so they'll probably just copy it from the notion document this is just more like a proof of concept of mm -hmm. what those like different prompt types can be used for got it makes sense they can have fun with their adult D. &D. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am i am trying i'm trying to put some some light filtering on it. So I'm trying to have, so GPT is a zero shot learner. And so what you can do is you can say things like, does this passage have any explicit content? And then list the passage and it'll say yes or no, right? Um, it does not always get it right though. And so um, I think I am gonna put some kind of content thing on there just because it goes it goes X-rated so fast. <laughs> but, mm. uh, and so I'm gonna try to put something in there, but you can still go off the rails really easily. What is a zero shot learner? 
Okay, so this is like uh, zero-shot learning means, so normally in machine learning, you train on a bunch of examples. So like you have a lot of examples of, so if you were doing explicit content, then you'd have a lot of ex explicit content and non-explicit content. Pass that through a filter and say, this is yeah, this is a one, this is a zero. Mm -hmm. And then later you can pass through, you know, any content and it'll give you one or zero back. For zero-shot learner, like GBT, what you do is you train it in a self-supervised way, which means you don't have these labels. You train it just on like the entire internet, which is mm -hmm. what they did. And then later you can go back and say, um, you can give it a, what's called a prompt, which is basically, and GPT understands natural language. So you can say, does this have explicit content passage? And then, you know, yes or no. Um, and so you don't have to do all this training because it's done all this self-supervised training. The downside, so the upside is you don't have to train it on a bunch of stuff. The downside is it doesn't work as well as the, the you know, fully trained version. So if you're really building a content filter, what you want is a fully trained, you know, with millions of examples kind of filter. Um, but the quick and dirty way is to use GPT to, to do it. What's the alternate strategy called if it's not zero shot? Uh, so supervised learning or supervised just, learning. just machine, machine learning in general is learning from lots of data. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand. So, so supervised learning would be, I know the ground truth yeah. and I have a table of a bunch of different phrases and I know definitively if it's safe or not. Yep. That's supervised learning. Zero shot is, I just tell GPT-3, go out there and learn you yep. bright young artificial mind yep and then in the moment when i'm wanting to build a classifier in the moment when i'm wanting to say is this explicit or not i show it a few examples of what i mean and i assume that it'll be able to deduce from that the rule but that's not going to be as clean of data as if i trained it from the, the ground truth is that exactly. right exactly yeah okay. and technically that's few, few shot learning because you're giving it a few examples um, and yeah. then zero shot would be no examples just ask it um in um f f few shot works better with gpt but you can also mm -hmm. do zero shot you can just say does this contain explicit material and then explicit thing and it'll try to guess but it's just a guess really so how cool that that's a thing that we have now you can just Oh man, technology! I'm I'm not gonna geek out about this right now. <laughs> uh, but the uh, your master's program starts in two days. That's so exciting! I think I asked you about this last week. Of like, ooh, do you have the fun back to school fever? <laughs> right, right. Uh, what's, how are you? How are you framing that? What are you thinking yeah, about? Yeah. Do, are you ready? Have you had those nightmares yet? Of like, <laughs> you signed up for the class that you didn't know you had, and then the finals the next day. So I've had those dreams like before for for like many years you know like i still have dreams about school like oh no it's the first day of school and i don't know where my classes are or something yeah. you know i yeah so no no more or less because i've signed up for this okay. um but yeah uh, it technically started last week um and so i'm into it now um it feels kind of weird there was no like you know like live you know hello everyone started kind of thing mm. like there might be at a regular school it's just like the classes are up online now and i can watch them mm. um it's also it they're doing they're doing the best they can with what they have but mm. there's edX canvas Piazza and the class website for Oof. both of my classes so four Oof. places to go for both classes so every day I have to check like eight different websites for mm. updates it is not ideal um, but other than that uh, so far so good cool how is the community do you, do you find yourself interacting with other classmates or are you all siloed so I think it depends on the class. So there's an unofficial Slack group for like all of the online uh, UT Austin people. Um, it's run by students, but the school knows about it and they actually put it in their newsletter thing. So a lot of people are on there. And then there's um, 
in every class there's like a discussion forum and so far that's been like you know uh, people asking, I almost said kids, <laughs> college students, graduate students, uh, asking about like homework, the, the homework or the, um, the lectures. And so it's, there's no like community there yet. And then in the classes I'm in, um, the deep learning one, I think might have a group final project, but other than that, it's individual projects. So I don't anticipate much collaboration, like with other people, which is kind of a bummer, but, um, it's also easier because everyone is asynchronous and there's a lot of people from other countries. And so that would be really hard. Mm. Um, to like get time zones. So there's definitely less collaboration than like an in-person school would have. Mm. Uh, but the Slack group is something. And uh, you also, I think, as people ask questions on this discussion forum, I think you'll get to know people by their avatars and stuff. So mm. there, there is some community, but but definitely not as much as in-person. Okay, that makes sense. I uh, was, was struck when I took Ali Abdul's part-time YouTuber Academy of, it, it, it felt like the first class i'd taken that was designed to be digital first and they mm. had like the the circle group and uh people were very active on that and uh in every lecture it was designed with these exercises midway through where you go into breakout groups and talk about the thing that was just discussed and then you come back and share interesting tidbits and it more so than any other virtual class i've taken that that felt like it was recreating a lot of the benefit that I get socially from in-person classes and was taking advantage of the medium of like, you know, I'm, I'm if I'm in an in-person class, when I was in in-person classes, I don't think I ever meaningfully communicated uh, to people in any sort of asynchronous way, uh, unless we were like actively working on an assignment and had to meet up and, and uh, work on it in person or something. Um, there's a lot of potential there. I'm, I'm curious as you go through this, examples of things that you think went well in community and benefits that you got from it or uh, ideas that you have for, for how to do that differently. I think there's a, there's a lot to be gained there digitally that, that medium makes a lot more sense to me. You can be asynchronous and you can communicate with people uh, that you're not as connected to connections. Connections can be formed much easier. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's necessarily the case that an in-person class will always be better and, and have better connections. Um, so I'm excited to hear updates as you progress through the course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see how it uh, feels as I progress too. Um, it, I, I really like the asynchronous nature so far um, because like, so this is designed, you can do it full time if you want, or you can just do it like as a working professional, you could take you know, like one class at, at a time and you don't have to be online at a certain time. So I do really like that aspect of it. But, cool. Yeah. Which classes are you enrolled in right now? What are you I'm studying? in deep learning. So that's like a sort of intro to deep learning thing. I, most of the syllabus, I kind of already know. So that, but that's okay. Um, there is some theory and there's some stuff I haven't learned just yet, but that is my, I'll call it my easy class because I already know most of it. The other class is parallel systems. And that is the hard class that is going to take a lot of work. Uh, I have to learn, or I work in C plus go rust. And then there's one other one. So there's like four different programming languages. Uh, covering a wide variety of like parallel topics, including GPU programming. So like CUDA programming, uh, I'm excited for that one. Uh, but then there's also like, you know, so it starts with C++ threads, which is, you know, difficult. Yeah. Right? And, um, but then there's like concurrency with Go and then there's shared memory with Rust. And then it, it covers like Hadoop and like MapReduce stuff um, some as well. So that I knew was a hard class going in and it looks like it's going to be a hard class, but it's also like everyone's like, it's hard, but it's worth it. So. Hmm.
useful stuff. That's yeah. some of the hardest problems in computer science. GPU programming still is just black magic to me. <laughs> yep. That's uh, I, I prefer abstractions on top of that of like TensorFlow. Yes, great. I, I just call this method to go in and out of the GPU and I don't care what happens in there. Great. That's that's what I want. Um, neat. Those two classes, nothing else? Is it, yeah, is it like a semester long or how long is that term? Yep, till December. So it's like five months, I think. Cool. Yep. Yeah, you can take, so three would be a full-time and then four would be a heavy full-time so i'm just taking two which is hopefully about half time maybe a little more than half time because parallel systems i think it's gonna be hard cool and that's a year program two years the whole program you have to take 10 classes so yeah it depends on how many you take so if you take three classes a semester you can do it two years is that right something like that and uh, or less than two years i will probably do it in two and a half it depends on what summer class. So during the summer, you can take classes also, but they don't offer all of the classes. So it like depends on where you are, if you can get any classes in the summer that you need. Cool. Yeah. You're going to be a student for a meaningful amount of time. That's like yeah, <laughs> a lot of the time that uh, you were in college. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. It kind of gives me you know, a new chapter in my life for the next two and a half years, which is fine. Um, I mean, I could also withdraw at any time if it's, you know, if there, right. like there's there's no reason I need to be in it. And so it's, if I ever get, you know, super sick of it or something, I can get out. But uh, so far I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for you. It's going to be a fun project. Uh, one more thing I'd love to ask you about. You have been uh, putting all these wacko experiments on Twitter of you doing this weird stuff with AI. What's what's going on with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I sort of talked about this uh, before. So I'm doing these images, generating images with AI uh, through my work at Hidden Door. I'm generating a lot of texts with GPT and, um, I can always get it to fail in some hilarious ways. And so like, I, I don't want to flood my Twitter with all these examples, but I'm, I'm thinking about like starting a newsletter or something to like share the hilarious failures of AI. Um, so I, I don't know what, I also don't need a new project, right? So I guess what's your, Chris, Chris, we we are well past that. (laughs) What, what is your hot take on a, uh, an AI failure, either newsletter or Twitter bot or something? I don't know. What would you like to see? (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, I'm reminded of the, I think it was a TikTok or a YouTube video or something where, uh, they said, we've fed this AI a thousand hours of Olive Garden commercials and it came up with this and it's like a viral sensation with 10 million views or something. And there've been some copycats of that video, uh, that I don't think have done as well. And there's also some question of like how much human involvement was there done in this? I think in one of them, they had like actual humans, uh, acting it out. That's the, the zeitgeist I'm getting right now is that like people understand people are a little scared of AI and they're also amused that it gets things wrong right now. That's, that's just the cultural temperament that I'm feeling. Uh, we're not quite at the stage yet where it's like, you know, it, it's a reliable thing that we know works all the time. I'm, I'm imagining, you know, I, I, I think you could certainly pull up, you know, cartoons from when the, car was first invented and it was like poking at cars and it was like ah my car broke down and could i borrow your horse and it was some sort of a funny joke off of that that's where we are with ai i think there's a huge it's it's sort of a different business than than we ever usually think about cuz i'm mm. thinking like it would be a it would be a viral content channel it would be like a it would be like a tiktok where you were like look at this funny thing i got ai to do today and I asked AI, you know, I I told it uh, that I lost weight and asked it to comment me, and it said, 
better lose some more fat ass <laughs> like that that would be funny and if you had you know one of those that you were posting every day or uh i think that makes sense and, and even just the way that you've been doing it on twitter uh, yeah that's that's about where i think that content should go might not fit in the brand of your account on twitter um right that's why i thought about starting a new one uh, like a yeah yeah throw away about but i already have several uh twitter yeah. accounts so hey make a new one i can get you a good deal on one uh <laughs> uh 20 discount uh and i would consider doing a different medium i would like i this content may make more sense on tiktok or or i don't know youtube or instagram or something yeah that's true um so we can talk about that a little so in- instagram i get the feeling like they've sort of um removed some of the viral sharing on instagram i don't know if that's true or not but i get the feeling that it's easier and and i don't use instagram so i don't know but it used to be really good and now it's not quite as good um tiktok i have a huge hesitancy towards because it's it's like an app only right and you have to sign up like and it's this chinese company that may or may not get banned at some or not point in the future and I, i don't know um youtube would be okay i guess um that that might be funny uh yeah i don't know what do you think about those different mediums if you do i agree with you on instagram thinking about that that's that the feeling of that is much more like look at me in my fancy rich life and right. much less uh you know look at this funny thing um so if you don't like tiktok i would push you a little bit on trying tiktok out because i think that's that's the up and coming platform that's the one that like if you're going to get disproportionate rewards from you're probably going to get it from that that's your highest chance of becoming a viral sensation um, and then if you do YouTube, I would optimize for YouTube shorts, which are yeah. YouTube's hot take on TikTok. Uh, it, it would fit that medium much better. And I would figure out some formula of like, you know, have a prompt and you, you have text come up. That's like, I asked an AI to do this thing and here's what it did. And ha <laughs> look at the stupid AI not knowing what to do. Uh, and just have some sort of a formulaic thing that you can churn out content that's low effort for you. Uh, but that you can do very consistently and see what happens. And like, who knows? Maybe you get a million followers and then you you have this machine of like a consumer audience <laughs> yeah. that thinks your jokes are funny. To uh, what end, yeah. Maybe you right. sell t-shirts or something out of that. I don't, I don't know how you make money off of that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't either. But I just, I don't know. I, I have so many examples already and I'm not even trying to generate them that I just think yeah. it'd be funny to, yeah, do that. If nothing else, save them and save them in a way that you can pull back on them later. And then, you know, when you, when it becomes clearer what to do with this content, I don't know, maybe you write a book, uh, you you have this wellspring of like, oh, great. I have, I have a hundred examples that I can pull from and there's the book or, you know, there's my first hundred days of content. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. I'll think about that one. Cool. How about you? What did you get up to this week? The main thing I want to talk with you about is just like a time log of all of the different projects i worked on i said i wanted to work on file inbox and i didn't work on it at all for the <laughs> for the jeez i don't know hundredth week in a row uh i don't i don't even know christian what are you doing i don't know i don't know what i'm doing uh but i did get a lot of work done and uh the most exciting thing that happened this last week is i got my first paying customer for clipstop marketing and that name may be changing. Uh, that's another thing I want to talk about. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, my first customer's name is Brendan Hufford. I have his testimonial on my homepage now. And when I told him the amount of money, he, he was like, how much is this? And I told him, 
I don't know, $100 a month? He responded, you're not charging enough. You're basically selling me money. Uh, I can take this clip, put it on, put it on LinkedIn, and two or three people are going to book sales off of that. And I imagine a sale for him is worth so much more than $100 a month. That is an amazing um, testimonial. And also isn't it? Yeah. Feedback. And he's yeah. like, he's a very good customer. Uh, this is exactly the sort of person I'm uh, wanting to build this for. And so that felt really good. And I don't actually have that money in my bank account yet because <laughs> I told him, just give me your credit card number and then I'll build the back end, the integration, and then I'll charge you and let you know. And then you'll be able to cancel it online. That is exactly the right way to take the first payment, by the way. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yep. Um, and I haven't built that yet. I don't know why. <laughs> I was working on other stuff. Uh, so on uh, Clipstop Marketing this last week, including the time that I spent on this call, making, making my first sale, uh, I worked 91 minutes. Another big project that I... Oh, hold on. Let me let me make a note because there's one more thing I want to do. Uh, okay. Uh the other project I wanted to work on that I think at the end of the last episode, I was like, oh, I have this idea for Gmail for a better interface for Gmail. And I think I could finish this today. Uh, I worked on that over the next four days, spending a total of 264 minutes. And here's the frustrating part. <laughs> I, got, I got all the way to the end. I got to the point where like I figured out the OAuth integration. OAuth, awful, terrible. We redo the whole system. I don't know what it's supposed to look like. Every I mean, time. Yeah. Oh, every time. Uh did the whole system got got to the point where like I can be slurping in all my Gmail messages, uh, got that in a nice interface in Gmail. I uh, took this Tailwind template of an email inbox. Tailwind UI also, if no one knows what this is and you're any kind of a developer, oh my God, it's the cheapest, nicest web designer that I have ever imagined. Uh, yes. I, I was going through, flipping through examples and I was like, I kind of need these sort of components to do a inbox style thing found they had a pre-made template with the menu bar and the sidebar and like the inbox layout and the detail list of all the messages i just copied the whole thing they had it pre-formatted in react the only thing i had to do is think of for my use case where does it make sense to delineate like what is a component and how do i want to structure this so uh got all the way there uh for, for anyone listening by the way tailwind css is the free css uh thing tailwind ui is the um component library made by um steve and adam right yes. and um i think it's like 250 dollars total ever something like that something uh, like that a meaningless amount of money you will make it back in the first component that you copy <laughs> that's yeah. so it's as if you've yeah. hired steve schroger yeah. schroger Sh yeah schroger uh it's as if you've hired him to be your own personal designer yeah something i love that they did is they're charging money for those templates whereas mm -hmm. bootstrap had them all for free Mm -hmm. So bootstrap websites, you just started to see all over and anyone making a site, they started with bootstrap. And so you, for me, at least when I saw a site that was designed, obviously in bootstrap, I got this feeling of like, ah, this person just slapped this together. And yes, this design looks nice, but that's not necessarily an indication of how good the product is. Whereas by charging a small amount of money for these tailwind templates, that's still fresh and new and exciting. And like yeah. when I see a tailwind template out in the wild, I'm like, oh, this person paid money for this thing that was a very good purchase like there's a there's a higher standard of quality uh yeah so i i went on their site and had the pre-made template and uh also filled out all the back all the back end stuff like got it to the point where i was able to implement like the novel thing that i wanted to do of organizing things by center and then i completely lost interest because i was like this doesn't actually this doesn't actually speed me up that much uh and i don't know if this is a project that i'm just setting down temporarily to pick up later but you know, for the, I, I spent 264 minutes like designing this thing uh, after, you know, more minutes than that in, in previous weeks. 
got to the point where I could actually do something and then realized it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be and then just did my inbox in the normal way and it took like you know it, it took I think 12 minutes to catch up on something like a month of emails with the old way that I'm doing it and so it just, it just doesn't seem worth it <laughs> like <laughs> I that that project is dead now, uh, and I learned some things about integrating the Gmail API, and I have this project now that like I could, if I get another novel idea about how to do email, if I wanted to do like a customer support email inbox or something. Uh, but it, I don't, <laughs> I I would like to honor the life of that product and mourn its death a little bit. But it would. I think the thing I'm hung up about is like. I would have liked to have foreseen that that would have happened before investing the work in it. But at the same time, it wasn't a waste of time. I learned a lot in the project. Like in in a lot of ways, this is sort of like the worst case thing that could possibly happen when working on a new project. And it was fine because I still learn stuff and I still improve stuff and I under, better, better mapped out my understanding and got the reps in of building stuff and... Uh, yeah, and now it's just going to live in a folder in my computer, and uh, it's there now. If I ever wanted to pick it up later, uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Do you do you have projects like this that you invest a bunch of time in and then realize, oh, I don't actually want this thing? So many. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to the point where what I was going to say, which is, this is not. You started talking like it was some kind of failure. This is not a failure at all. Um, this mm -hmm. is, I would say, a success. Um, you had an idea for something. It was probably taking about uh, taking up a lot of your like mental cycles. I would. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then in 200 something minutes, you learned a, a new skill, you, mm -hmm. which is OAuth in Gmail, which you might hate now, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> and I'll have more, to relearn it again in the future, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know it a little better now. Uh, you got more familiar with the Gmail, uh, you know, API, you got more familiar with the Tailwind API. You got, you know, flexed your muscles for building a new thing. You, and then you found out that the thing you thought you wanted, you didn't want, which means you yeah. can stop thinking about it, which is fantastic. Yeah, like you spent a, f a few hours, and now you can unload that from your brain and load in something else. Yeah, um, I like that framing of it. That uh, is very so, freeing. So that's great. That is great. Thank you. I feel better. Uh, cool. Um, other projects I worked on. Uh, pushed forward my time tracker a little bit. Uh, which allowed me to to have these numbers. That's a that's a project that I've set down that I feel like I'm gearing up to pick back up. That's something that's been very important to me that has become very central to my workflow and has has given me this higher level perspective of like, oh, I spent time in this place that I didn't want to be spending it and not enough time in this other place. How could I move that that dial? Uh so not this week, but in in the coming weeks that is probably going to be like the the main focus of my work. Uh, and then I picked back up Camhead. <laughs> Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had thought that I wasn't able to build it in React Native, uh, or not React Native, uh, uh, it, not Express. Oh my gosh, Electron. Electron. Yes. Um, I thought I wasn't able to do that because I needed circular masking on the window, and I didn't mm. think that was a thing that Electron supported. And I found I stumbled on this article that hinted at that that sort of thing was possible. And then I pulled up the documentation and I, I had a much better idea of exactly what I was looking for uh, and was able to find like, oh, you can have transparent windows in Electron. I didn't know you could do that. And then it's cross-platform. And so that nice. got me really excited about like, oh man, I've I've been dreading implementing any sort of features uh, in the Swift version of Camhead because Swift is confusing and bad and <laughs> the, the paradigms are uh, different. Uh, and so I just felt this inspiration to completely recode Camhead in javascript on electron 
and in uh where is it 95 minutes i'm like 80 percent of the way there That's and awesome. a lot of the features that we had talked about of like being able to move it and uh having a preference of making the the camera icon bigger or smaller that's all just going to be trivially easy so uh that that might be a thing that actually gets pushed out <laughs> i have the domain that came into that app and <laughs> i have the the app registered on the app store and got stuck in some process of actually publishing it but uh there's there's alternative ways to publish things when it's on electron uh that make that a little bit easier like auto updates are a thing built in so that was going to be one of the advantages of getting something on the app store, but I might be able to just get that for free uh, mm-hmm. if I just have like a, a DMG that you download. Right. And it's possible that I just get multi-platform for free uh, yeah. so that this could become something that just works out of the box on Windows and Linux, which would be uh, very exciting. Is that still a thing you use? I know I, I sent you my Swift code and I saw a few videos that you uh, were recording with that. Do you, or what, what changes would you want to make in that app? Uh, I think there were, let me remember. So I don't use it because there were like three things I wanted that it didn't do. I don't remember exactly what we could look, go back and listen to the thing. I, I wanted it to be in the other side of the screen, yeah. uh, f- flip 180 degrees. Mm. And I wanted to be able to change the size of the bubble. I think, I think yeah. those were the three things. Um, if it I'll did those things, episode two. I would use you've, it. You've published videos since then with uh, your face in a circle yep. in the corner. How are you doing that? I just got better at doing it with screen flow. Okay. It's like an extra, I don't know, four or five steps to yeah, yeah. like you record two separately i mean record it at the same time but in separate things and then you just overlay the thing make it a circle move to the yeah, corner yeah. flip it so it's a little annoying to do so i would pay cool. a little bit of money to make that little annoyance go away i would um, love to be the person to offer you that opportunity uh the uh, other thing the other thing you can look at so do you know dave sedia i think you do yes yeah, Minecraft. Yeah. yeah so he wrote something called recut yes which is a sort of similar uh, thing it's not for faces but it's for video editing and it's like a small part of video editing mm. so it's a similar app in that way um and he chose to release it not on the app store mm. and so it, i think it'd be interesting you go back and look at his tweets or even talk to him about you know why he did that and what he would do differently and stuff because i think it's that's a very similar space um yeah that's a very good connection i actually i i was chatting with him around the time that he was releasing that and uh one of the reasons if i remember correctly that he was saying that he did that is that uh sandboxing for apps on the app store is just a pain if you if you have to do any sort of file io yeah that if if it's a native app it like asks you explicitly for access to every single folder that you want access to oh boy so if you're yeah it's it's a pain versus if you're just in a dmg that you download uh, I think there's one extra step of you have to say like you have to say okay open this from the internet or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then you have full disk access uh, so that's not something that would matter for camhead because it's just showing the camera yeah it was just ask, I assume it would ask once for camera access right yeah which is the same on uh, if it same was a app or, yeah. or not um, but it would just be more convenient <laughs> like I dealing with the the app store is a pain and i think the main value they would provide is that they would do billing for me but i just use stripe that, that B- billing vat and distribution so i i wouldn't i wouldn't um uh, i wouldn't sleep on like how wide the distribution for the mac app store is um and if they happen to like feature you like which is you know kind of a lottery ticket but if they do then you get you know just thousands of downloads that's interesting so, yeah you said i wouldn't sleep on the distribution and i don't know what that phrase means is that, <laughs> uh, is that good is, or bad oh i, I wouldn't uh, sleep on is like um ignore or uh like you know yes okay i would pay attention to the distribution yes. that apple can give you yeah okay that makes sense uh, sorry i don't know if that's a regional <laughs> thing or something yeah i wouldn't sleep on it 
Yeah, I've heard I, sleep on it meaning like I'm gonna think about it. No, no, no. It means like I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't not pay attention to it. Okay, I learned a new <laughs> phrase today. <laughs> cool. Um, the uh, the the featuring me is interesting. Uh, that would feel sort of like a lottery ticket thing. Uh, otherwise, distribution. Are are you are you reading anything into like the difficulty of distributing a, a DMG? That seems like I would just like throw. Oh it no, sorry. Thing. I I mean I mean I guess I don't mean distribution. What do I mean? It gets in front of a lot of eyeballs. Um, okay. Like pu- publishing is there. It's I'm I'm listing myself in their store. Yeah. Like oh okay. So, well, a, so- a a thing I've been a strategy that I've known would be a positive ROI for me is getting file inbox as like a Shopify app and getting it in all those regional stores. Because when people are looking for that type of app, they're looking in those stores and I want to, I want to put myself in that index. Okay. So yes, from a publishing standpoint and like a marketing standpoint, people might be searching for, I could, I could game the, the Apple store, uh, search engine in the same way that I might game Google and figure out what people are searching for of like small circular camera bubble, uh, screen recording Ex- and yeah. just have that in my description and it might show up yeah. okay. it, and it'll happen in two ways one is like kind of seo-ish which is what you're talking about so someone searches for like camera app right and then you might pop up in there the other one is um and so i i saw this when i a long time ago i created a few ios apps uh if you get any kind of like uh, velocity in any of the countries then you start mm-hmm. getting on those countries like top 100 lists for different categories Mm. and people just look at those top 100 lists and like just click through all of them and like randomly buy stuff on the lists and so like if you get on top 100 lists and it's not hard at all to get on top 100 lists for different countries for different categories Mm. uh, you'll just you'll see a spike in your downloads just because you got one of those lists okay well those are all very good reasons to be on the app store and i don't have a strong reason not to other than it was just a little difficult to navigate the app store. It, so it will be yeah. extremely annoying the first time you do it, and then yeah. after that, it will only be minorly annoying. Yeah, yeah. Every update. and I think the last time I picked this project up, I felt like I was very close. Yeah. Uh, and this can't possibly be that hard. <laughs> it's not. It I, took I just me. Got annoyed. Give yourself two days, two solid days, okay. which is a lot of time, but it will be annoying for two days, and then it'll be done. Yeah. Okay, that's not so bad. And then I can push it forward. Um. Meta statistics on all the work I got done last week. I got 486 minutes done of what I would consider work of like, I'm pushing forward a project that uh, is a thing that might make money. I don't know. I don't know how to define work. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm working on useful things. That was like Pomodoro work. Uh, I sat down on my computer and I set an objective and then I worked towards that objective. Uh, In the same week, I only YouTubed for 136 minutes, which I'm pretty proud of. That's Good. much lower than the total work number. Uh, close to a fourth, I think, if I'm... Well, no, I'm just looking at the first number. Ah, uh, no, yeah, about about a fourth. That that ratio feels about right. I'd like to push that down a little bit more, but not too much. Uh, Are you also time tracking, like, your nighttime stuff? So is this, like, all personal tracking as well? Yeah, this is my entire life. I oh, go wow. From, from the minute I wake up to when I go to bed, I have... I watch way more than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought I watched way more than that. And there have been there have been moments where I've been able to track that I watch way more than that. Uh, and also, this, this is a, an issue I have with time tracking. Uh, I had used time trackers before that were totally automated that just showed, like, this is how many minutes you spent on this website or this app. But that's not what I want to track because sometimes I'm watching YouTube videos to answer a technical question mm, that pushes yep. me forward in the work that I'm doing. 
and there's no way for my computer to know that. That's just like a choice that I've made of how I'm defining what the time is. So when I say YouTube time, I mean like this very specific thing that happens where I feel stuck or frustrated and I just get that itch of like, oh, you know how I could get some quick dopamine? It's by hitting command T and typing Y-O-U enter right. and then I'm going to see something entertaining uh, pop up on my screen. And that's fine. It's not preferable, but like I'm working on being accepting of myself that that's a thing that I need to do uh, sometimes. Uh, the only extra rule that I've added for myself is like, I just want to track how much time I'm, I'm spending on this thing. So I have a button on my desk. Uh, I'm going to show this to the camera if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, this speech bubble icon is I'm either messaging or YouTubing. Very and cool. this play pause button is I'm either working or taking a break from work, which can be like... What is what is that uh, device technically? Uh, this is a... <laughs> I want you to guess what this is. <laughs> it, it looks like an Amazon, like one of those push buttons, but it doesn't have the sides to it. I mean, and that's a desk mount. I I recognize that, but yes, okay, this is a desk mount. Uh, you were asking about the buttons, okay? Yeah, yeah the buttons. I, I thought you were. Oh yeah, no, that's a headphone. That's a headphone mount, right? Yes, 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 yes you got it right. Yeah. Uh, the buttons are flick buttons, flick uh, buttons, which are functionally identical to the the Amazon buttons. But they're programmable. You can you can uh, make them play a sound or uh, activate an app or something. So that that connects to my phone over Bluetooth, um, and then I have it just send a post request to the midnight backend. And I just, I have these all over. I've got one by my bed that tracks when I'm uh, going to sleep and when, I'm, oh, cool. when I have woken up but have not yet gotten out of bed. Uh, that's a very interesting number to track because some days I wake up and I'm in bed for like an hour. It's like, what am I doing? Uh, and <laughs> then other days... You don't have kids. That's what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that would fix that problem. <laughs> that's how I get better time management. Uh, and I've got one in the bathroom. I track bathroom breaks i know exactly how much time i spent pooping last week uh i will not share that number on the podcast uh but i'm proud of it that's a good number uh so uh total youtube time was 136 minutes total work time was 486 minutes and here's the part i'm not fully proud of i have just been running myself in circles about buying a tesla uh i have decided i'm going to do it i it's something i've wanted for the last 10 years uh, and I told myself when I hit this meaningful financial goal where I like felt financially independent, the money that I got on top of that goal would go towards a Tesla. And at the time, the only model reasonably available was an $80,000 Model S. Uh, and my gosh, if you looked at my YouTube search history right now, it's just all, it's just all about Tesla. It's just all like Model 3 versus Model Y. Model Y performance race versus Model 3 performance. Like... Model Y storage. Like, oh, the number of things I know about these freaking cars now. I just can't stop myself from just optimizing as much as I possibly can. Of like, I want the best car for me. That, and like, if you get the long range Model 3, it costs this much. And the performance Model 3 costs this much. Uh, but then there's this secret aftermarket upgrade you can get that costs $2,000 <laughs> that is a speed boost for the long range, but there's a third-party boost that's like this little camera you put, or a little, a little device you plug in that like emulates that and also gets you these other things, so that would make it so that I should get the Model 3, but then the Model Y has more, more charging, and like, oh my God, it's just, it's every day, I feel like I'm, I'm I convince myself that like getting a different car is the, is the best choice. Uh, I have only tracked some of that time. It was only like probably midway through the week, through the week that I had the thought I should I should be tracking this time. I spent 335 minutes just on 
running myself in circles about exactly which Tesla would be the best. And there's this whole extra game now of like, if I spend more money on one, I could potentially get it sooner, but then I'm going to be traveling for the next month. And so like, I I wouldn't be able to take delivery, but if I get this one, then delivery might be at the right time. Oh, I just, it's just an endless, I just, I, at this point, like, I just need to get one so that I can stop thinking about it. <laughs> at the same way that like, you know, I, I had to do the work of, uh, doing the the gmail app uh to, to just like free those brain cycles uh so that was that was my week i got a lot of work done which i feel very proud of and i had minimal youtube time which i feel proud of but i spent a whole bunch of time on a car it's a it's a car it takes me places and it goes really fast and it makes me feel alive and it they're really cool but it's not like i'm you know six months after i have this car it's gonna be my car yeah. And it's going to be fun still, but like, I, I, <laughs> it doesn't feel like I could possibly justify to an outside observer, like spending this much time on the idea of buying a car. So that's you, you and I are hilariously similar <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> um, I do exactly the same thing for any purchase greater than, I don't know, $10, like anything, uh, especially. So what I'm thinking of specifically is all my camera equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of camera equipment and I spend hours and hours <laughs> looking at all the different things. Um, I have come to realize, so first of all, uh, it drives my wife's ab absolutely insane. She is not like this at all. So some people don't do this. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but I've come to realize that that entire research process is sort of like a meta part of the process for me. Like, like, mm -hmm. uh, it is entertainment in and to itself for me to research all this stuff. And by the time I'm done, it, it drives my wife, my wife nuts also because I'll buy the thing and then I'll keep researching. And she's like, just stop. You're just making yourself angry at what you bought. Um, but it's all part of the fun for me. And, um, and, and so that's what I do. I, I just love learning like the really intricate details of stuff I'm about to buy for, for mm. whatever reason. I want to make sure like you, I'm getting, you know, either a good deal or exactly the thing that I want. Um, and I want to make sure I'm spending my money, you know, wisely. But I, yeah, I basically realized that all this, all this time is, is just another form of entertainment for me. Um, so I'd let myself do it. <laughs> I like that framing. I, I've heard before that, uh, some people really enjoy trip planning and yeah. like thinking of all the things they can do. And that that's part of the vacation for them is, you know, they can spend the six months leading up to it, just fantasizing about how great it's going to be when they're there. And it wasn't until this moment that I realized I don't get that from trip planning. For me, trip planning is like, I sort of just need to be open to new experiences and a lot of it's going to be painful and things are going to go wrong. And I have sort of learned not to set expectations because things in travel are so multifaceted and like you know with with covid stuff the the eu just blocked mm. uh or, or partially blocked or something or like recommended to block people from the u.s mm. uh so the strip that has been planned for like the last six months uh planning to go into croatia with my girlfriend uh might not even happen and like thinking about that i honestly don't care like it would be really cool if we went and it would also be hard uh, I, I would need to make like accommodations for doing work and like, you know, then I'm going to be tired and it's a overnight flight. And also Croatia is amazing. It would be a ton of fun to do that. And we have several fun things planned, but I'm not like, I'm not like invested in it in like, I'm not in I, the process of the process of 
doing the research of that trip isn't really something that I enjoy. But oh boy, you know what I do enjoy? It's just looking at all the statistics of the Tesla and thinking about, ooh, if, I, if it went 0.4 seconds faster, what would that feel like? Let me look at some videos of what that looked like. <laughs> let, me, let me go and rent one of these and see what that's like. And that's just, yeah, that's, that's part of the experience for me. And yeah. something, while you were talking, I had the idea, like, a, a state of existence that I really enjoy is being a expert on the thing that I have and being able to just solidly justify like this was the best thing for me and yes I spent this much money on it but here's exactly why it's worth it and I know everything about all of the things in this category so if you tell me what your needs are I could recommend to you exactly what the best thing is because it might not be the one that I have uh that's that's something I love. And then, you know, I can film a YouTube video about that or I can make a blog post about it and say like, are you endlessly deciding which Tesla is the best <laughs> Tesla to get? Here is my decision matrix for yeah. every type of person and every type of thing that you value. And uh, here's a little web app to like calculate exactly uh, what makes the most sense. Uh, yeah, that's that's how my brain works. And uh, thank you for the framing of like, that's part of the process for me. Like, yeah. Looking back, I've, I've really enjoyed those 335 minutes. <laughs> I learned a whole bunch of stuff about Teslas and, and continue to. Uh, so I think, I don't know, maybe... I looking, looking back in the last week, I don't know that that's where I would take time from if I wanted to be optimizing more time for work. I think I would instead be optimizing like transition time. There's, mm. there's sort of time between purposefully doing stuff. Uh that doesn't feel as directed i think i think that's still the biggest place to be gaining uh time from that, that can be reclaimed for spending more purposeful time yeah i, w I would call all of this time i mean all the time you research teslas all the time i research camera equipment that i'm never gonna buy yeah. um, i would call that just entertainment time i mean so that's you know like that's just like watching a movie or playing a video game for me anyway yeah yeah um it's it's not just about the the buying of the thing it's a yeah it's entertainment so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't sacrifice too much of your entertainment time for work otherwise you'll drive yourself crazy so yeah yeah another very good piece of framing yeah i didn't watch any movies or play any video games last week because i was <laughs> i was entertained by shopping for teslas that's right good I'll, I'll often do both at once i'll have netflix on and then i'll be researching something uh, you know uh, maximize entertainment that's I right like it <laughs> I don't. I don't know exactly how I feel about that, but I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I want to be fully immersed in whatever the thing is I'm doing. I'm. I'm. I. I. I have that part of autism of just like needing to be incredibly focused on the on the one mm. thing. Um. I've never been able to to watch a movie while doing something else. Ah, I've found the first way that you and I are different. <laughs> That's good <laughs> confirmation that we are not the same person. Uh, one more thing I'd love to talk about. There was a, a Twitter thread that popped up this morning of someone selling a business that was a, and is a uh, backup business. Uh, my understanding is it's similar to Tarsnap. It, it does like multi-site backups. Um, I was actually, I, I had prototyped a business like this back when Patio 11 wrote an article talking about uh, how Tarsnap should be charging way more. Tarsnap is this backup service that's basically charging at cost, uh, which it's cloud service. It's nothing. It's like $5 a month or something for terabytes of storage. And Patio 11's take on this was like, you're selling to businesses. You need to be charging at least $100 a month. Uh, and yes, you're now making an, an insane profit margin of like whatever, 97%. And that's fine. That's the idea of software. 
and I think the the maintainer of Tarsnap was just like philosophically opposed to that, yeah, uh, and had another job that he enjoyed, and so didn't want to do that. So that that inspired me to like make a thing in this space. Uh, and from the timing of this company, it looks like that it may have happened around a similar time. And I was shocked when I clicked through their uh, page on Microacquire to see that they wanted to sell this business for $100,000 and it made $600 a month because that seems outrageous. That's what, 600 like times 12, 15 times AR or something like that? Yeah, that's just that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then you pointed out that if it's if it's a strategic acquisition for the technology that that would make more sense um i'm i'm curious to hear more of your thoughts on that because like yeah if someone like that exists that's what i would want to do but i i i I guess i'm in a weird position because i look at a company like that and i think i could build that uh i don't know that there's anything they're doing that is is beyond what i would be capable of making uh and then if it was about a business that i was buying like i would i would prefer that i made it so that i understood it more um are those types of sales things that actually happen like who who's the person who's going to pay a hundred thousand dollars for this yeah so there there are several things that i thought of when i saw that first of all yeah it doesn't make much sense if you are someone like you who is looking to buy it for mrr mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense um but at those kind of prices there are I can think of at least three types of businesses that might buy it. Uh, one is a business that is looking to build the exact same thing. So they're looking to build it. They look out there to see what the competitive landscape is like. They see one for sale and then they just say, well, just buy it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is how they get started. And the reason they would buy it at hundred K is cause like, if you add a project manager and a few developers and the vice president's time to do the you know meetings and all that stuff, you get to hundred K in like a month or two, yeah, you know, yeah. of development. And so if you can accelerate yourself by a couple months for hundred K you do that you know, all day. Uh, so that's one kind. The second kind is, uh, strategic acquisitions, which, um, is not exactly where this falls, but it's more like the reason a company might overpay for one is like, so when Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars and Instagram was only 13 people or whatever, or no, WhatsApp, they bought for like $13 billion and they were like 13 people, something like that. Anyway, the reason that Facebook paid those crazy prices was because they saw the trajectory of Instagram, WhatsApp, and they did not want to compete with them in a future well where they will they were able to like reach their full potential mm. so that's more like a strategic acquisition where you know you see the the trajectory and you know that this company is going to be either worth this amount or this technology is going to be whatever and so you just buy them um mm. i don't think that would happen in this case but and then the last one is so i know someone who recently because of a company that got bought and stuff he is now the i think vice president um i don't know what his title is but he's high up in this uh, bank and he said stuff like, if they're looking to integrate with a technology partner, and it looks like that integration is going to be difficult or take a long time, then they just like look to see if they can buy the company <laughs> because mm. it's like way faster. And so if by buying a company, even if you way overpay, if you can super accelerate your development because now you have all this talent, um, which again is not happening in this case, but you might do the same for technology, um, then that's when it makes a ton of sense, even if you overpay for something. So yeah, if you can get technology or people or accelerate your timeline or uh, stomp out a strategic threat, those are reasons that you might just way overpay. Um, yeah, and so in this case, it might be technology, but any of those reasons might be reasons you would overpay. Those reasons make sense. And I think I think the reason... They don't make sense for me, I think is, is right. why it's difficult for me to understand them. And I'm, I'm not as familiar with the motivations of a, of a bigger company. Like, 
I'm not a I'm not a big enough fish in anything I'm doing to make it ever make sense. Well, not ever. I'm, it, it, none of those three things would be a motivating factor for me. Uh, but I could totally see how that would make sense in a bigger company. How interesting that that software seems like it's leveraged more, or like it's yeah. it's. If you're a traditional company, there's a lot of things happening in software that like you have to do these things to keep up. But if you don't have that experience in house, you're sort of put over a barrel of like, and you, you have to it. either find someone to partner with or, or find a company to buy or something. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I could also see, you know, if there's a backup service in a, a company like, uh, I mean, Iron Mountain's a terrible example because they're a huge company, but a paper, uh, a company that has paper backups, right? Mm. They may just buy this company so that they can also say they do digital backups. Um, so that's like oh, a you know, marketing yeah. expense at that point. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And 100K is nothing for marketing expense. I could also imagine if it's a company that needs backups and it's big enough, like if it's sure. Sirius XM and they don't want to hire a third party to do it because now that's that's a huge liability. But if they can just take the technology from the company and bring it in-house. Okay, that makes sense. And then, yeah, if it's Sirius XM, the cost of acquiring something for $100,000 versus trying to build it yourself is, is going to be roughly equivalent yeah. how inefficient are, are larger companies I, oh yeah i feel for sure yeah <laughs> i look at that and I'm like, i could build that in a weekend <laughs> serious like someone look at that and be like ah that's that's a deal <laughs> it's so much cheaper than like yep. all the meetings it would take to to get that done huh huh cool yeah and, and i'm not saying to be to be fair i'm not saying it's easy to sell a company like this at all because you have to find the acquirer which you know there may be a handful of companies in the world looking to buy this at any you know one time so you have to somehow get in front of them, you know, so it's, it's, I would say hard and rare to, to, you know, sell for way above your multiple, but it's possible for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Makes me think we should be listing like every side project we've ever done and just have an insane <laughs> multiple on it and start up a micro acquiring. <laughs> if there's a, if there's a business shopping around for like, Oh, I sure would like to own an app that puts a camera of myself in the circle in a corner. Uh, I would pay a million dollars for that. Uh, it seems like the sort of thing I'd like to expose myself to. Um, huh. Interesting. Okay. I think I've, I've been pushed by this, this experience into not looking into buying software. That, that was a thing hmm. that I was playing with of like, does this make sense as a place to be putting money? Is this an avenue that's good for me to be spending money to, to get back more money? And I think the answer is probably no, because hmm. as long as there exist buyers that are valuing software higher than I would be, which I'm sort of valuing it just for the nuts and bolts of like, well, no, I'm valuing it for like the market. How many customers do you have that are paying yeah. and how, how good is your advertising? That's that's really what I'd be buying. Um, and as long as there are people who are valuing that and also valuing the software and the difficulty of the software to make, they're going to be paying much more than I would want to pay. I think the way that I'm probably going to interact with these types of things is see that like, oh man, there's a business for sale in this space that makes this much per month i could do that <laughs> and then i do yeah. and then i ignore it and don't do any marketing and uh then i move on to other projects is probably what's yeah. going to happen uh but i'd love to figure out how to how to get the marketing side done also yeah that's why it might be interesting just like a company who can't do technology buys a technology company for their value maybe mm -hmm. you need to look at like more content or marketing companies so Ooh. 
if you can micro acquire a content or marketing company and then tack on your software then maybe that's a strategic acquisition that you can make yourself i don't know that's an interesting idea what is a marketing company what would i be buying i have what, no idea what do they do i have no idea <laughs> I also, maybe that's the there, problem there is a, I mean, uh like a news uh, maybe a newsletter with a wide reach in a market that you have software for oh yeah instead of advertising in them you could just buy the newsletter i could just buy them and then i'm the sole advertiser oh that's a very good idea huh or uh, maybe a site that gets a lot of traffic but doesn't have very many sales. They don't yeah. have anything interesting technologically. It's just like a WordPress site, but they, they have a blog that people in the space go to. Yeah, I would totally buy a blog. Interesting. Or a newsletter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Huh. That's something to chew on. Yeah. You just have to do hours and, now you just have to do hours and hours of research about what exactly you could buy. And what... <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> New... New form of entertainment. <laughs> yep, yep. Have you seen the latest Netflix show? Christian does a whole bunch of research about <laughs> this arbitrary topic. Uh, cool. Well, I'm going to go do a bunch of research on that and uh, also endlessly compare Teslas. Uh, so that's, that's all I got. Sounds good. That's all I got, too. Then I'll see you next week. Goodbye.